Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. So glad you've tuned in today because today we're going to get tough. Today we're going to dig in a little bit. Today we're going to look at the truth of Scripture and what it actually means for us as believers here in 2023. But we're also going to learn a lesson from, if you can believe it, 15 years ago. Remember back in 2008, the economy was deep in a recession. It seemed like no matter how hard people were working, how much they did or didn't make, there were a lot of people who felt like the walls were closing in. Now, 2008 was a time of great challenge here in the culture. And especially, it was all hinging on real estate. Remember that the government was in a big hurry to get people of different ethnic backgrounds into the home ownership market. And so in doing so, they thought, well, you know, we had affirmative action for education and employment. Why don't we pass some banking regulations that kind of loosen the restrictions that have been keeping people from buying homes? And so the financial restrictions were lowered ostensibly to help people of uh, people of color uh, achieve home ownership. But what happened is you wound up extending the whole deal to everyone. And here's the problem. It's a wonderful progressive utopian dream to say everybody should own a home. But there's a problem with that if you give people the false sense of security that they can actually purchase a home. Have you ever gone through that whole process? Maybe you have recently. Maybe maybe you're going through it right now. Where you are trying to sell one home and buy another, or maybe you're trying to buy a home and get into the whole marketplace, and then all of a sudden you run into the rules and requirements of the bank. When you make a loan of that size and it's backed by real estate, then there are certain covenants that you have to maintain. You know, we have a covenant with God, which is great. His covenant to his children and his people is, once I claim you for my own, I will never let go of you. That's the covenant that he has with Israel. That's the covenant he has with anybody who are part of the new Israel, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in a sense, becomes the new Israel. So people will wonder, okay, I'll see if I can do this without getting into the weeds too badly. Um, when, when Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin and did so on the cross, um, that blood that he uh, shed so freely and willingly, according to the Father's will, um, he basically paid the penalty for us so that basically the blood that he shed is the basically the blood that we would have shed on the cross for us. And so Steve Gregg describes this so great on the uh, the Narrow Path program. He says, look, so basically what this means is that it's you for him. So now anybody who um, who does that, who, who you know, professes faith in Christ, has their sins forgiven, the debt is paid, the sins are wiped clean, and you now have the opportunity to live in harmony with the Lord as his children. That's a, such a great deal. But you have to meet the standard of the covenant. And the covenant says that you believe that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't just say, oh, that's great. God paid the penalty for my sin. Awesome. I could do whatever I want to and I'm going to heaven because I acknowledge that, right? No, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is not only your Savior but your Lord, you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then you'll start doing things differently. Like you'll start living according to biblical principles. You will abide in Jesus by you know, obeying his commands. I mean, that, 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 you'll look different. 
in the same way when we have a covenant for purchasing a home, for example. And this is what happened in 2008. People had done that. They had met the requirements they thought they could uphold. But a lot of people who really didn't qualify for homes were saying, ah, they go ahead, you can move in anyway. In a couple of years, we'll put you at an adjustable rate loan. In a couple of years, you know what's going to happen? The market will improve. You'll have more equity in your house. You could refinance the house into a loan that you can actually afford and no problem. Well, the problem was a lot of people who got into those homes really couldn't afford them. And then when their adjustable rate mortgage came due and they had to get into a fixed rate mortgage, they couldn't afford it. And they started, there were foreclosures, bankruptcies, the housing market went nuts. My friend and colleague, Dr. Andy Garrett is a psychiatrist. And in 2008, he was working at a psychiatric hospital. He was doing his internship, finishing up his PsyD at Azusa Pacific University. And he noticed that there was an unusual group of people being admitted into the psychiatric hospital. And they were high-functioning professionals who never had psychological problems before. But what happened was they found themselves now without jobs. Maybe they work for the big investment companies, the Lehman Brothers, uh, uh, the America, what was the big Shearson, uh, the, uh, Charles Schwab, you know, Bank of America, whatever it was. And their jobs were gone. I mean, just gone that we heard the term dislocated, that meant entire industries gone. We had a huge recession for a couple of years here in this country. You might have had a home that was worth a half a million dollars one day and $200,000 the next. Now, maybe that half million dollar home really wasn't worth it, but more people were buying homes and it was driving the price of homes up because the demand was so high, so prices go up to meet the demand and supply was relatively limited. And then all of a sudden, the people who for two years had been in their homes thinking, I could afford it at this rate, got the shock of a lifetime when the interest rates went way up, their payment went way up, and they said, we can't afford the house, and they walked away. Well, Dr. Garrett was doing his uh, residency then at a psychiatric hospital, and he was stunned at the number of high-functioning professionals who had never had any sort of psychoses before, who were now being admitted into psychiatric hospitals because they were literally broken. They were just devastated. And here's what he did. He developed something that is very unique. It's called the seven-day resiliency challenge. It's the framework to help build your identity and become the resilient person God calls you to be. Here's the problem that he noticed. All these people, most of the men <laughs> who had been somebody in the industry. I'm the vice president of this or the corporate of that, whatever. All of a sudden had no identity. And I, I know there was a very uh, good friend of mine who for many years had worked in the architecture world. He's an architect for 25 years. And when this all happened, his architecture firm went sideways because no one was building anything, so there was nothing to draw. And he transitioned into being a construction working handyman carpenter of sorts, started doing a ton of volunteer projects, and all of a sudden, he didn't skip a beat. His wife was working full-time. She had a steady job in public education, and so he <clears throat> kept pursuing that. He's been doing that for 15 years now. We're the same age. He's happy. He's fulfilled. In his mid-40s, he could have easily wound up in the hospital with Dr. Andy Garrett helping him trying to figure out what is my life all about. You see, as Christians, we should have a sense of purpose. It's kind of a, an interesting paradox. When you profess faith in Christ and you surrender to his lordship, you basically lose yourself in him and find your new identity in him, but then he makes it abundantly clear who you are and whose you are and what you're called to do. 
And sometimes that's a radical transformation. I've met people, you have too, who you knew them when we were all younger and then you meet them when they're older and, and they have found faith in Christ and they're different. The tone of their voice is different. The look in their eyes is different. They've got this idea. It's now not so much about, well, you know, I have this position, but I I got a litmus test and a wake-up call when we first started doing the Bottom Line Show with regard to this because I just love doing this and I'm blessed to have that position. I'm glad that you listen and support our advertisers because that makes this all work. But we were going through an air check of the show one time and, and one of the people listening to the program made the comment. They said, Roger, you need to say your name more. And I said, why? And they said, well, because you didn't mention your name at all. What radio talk show host doesn't mention his name? And I thought, well, I don't really think of it that way. I mean, we're, we're here together. This is my part of the equation is to kind of pilot this, you know, to find the topics and bring them up and have the conversation, bring in interesting guests like our guest today, and then give you a chance to benefit from whatever resources they have or just the conversation itself. Like today, Shannon Bream from Fox News Channel, the host of uh, Fox News Sunday and the senior legal analyst for Fox News Channel, is going to join me to talk about her brand new book. You know, she's had this thing with, uh, it was the women of the Bible speak, and then it was the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak. Her newest uh, book that just came out last week is called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. That talks about what scripture says about friendships and relationships, you know, romantic and otherwise. And uh, I'm grateful that every year about this time, like last week in March, first week in August, we get a chance to visit with Shannon Bream, and it's tons of fun. But then... Coming up after that, Dr. Andy Garrett himself is going to join me, and we're going to get into something he calls the seven-day resiliency challenge. This is a perfect week for it. Right after Easter, we were kind of on like a spiritual high. And then what happens? Then sometimes our faith kind of goes to sleep for the summer. Sometimes we just go back to work and back to the routine and back to the mundane. The Lenten season's done, and you begin asking yourself questions like, who am I and what is my purpose? Maybe the jobs report in March is leading to the possibility of a job cut back here in April. Maybe the cost of living is outpacing your retirement income and you're wondering, well, can I travel? Can I do the things I'm called to do? Maybe for the first time in your life, you're asking the question, who am I? And why does it seem more difficult for me to stand up to the challenges of everyday life? Is it spiritual warfare? Is it the economy? Is it bad politics? What? What is it, especially for those of us living here in the People's Republic of California? Well, Dr. Andy Garrett developed this seven-day resiliency challenge to help people really understand that by losing yourself in Christ, you A, find your true spiritual identity, but B, you develop the resiliency to pursue the things God's calling you to do. I don't know if you've noticed, brothers and sisters, I kind of straddle the border on Generation X and Baby Boom. Technically, on the calendar years, I am a baby boomer at the very end of it, but emotionally, the way I process life, it really is more Generation X. When you get to the millennials and then Generation Z, we have developed in this country, unfortunately, some of the least resilient people to ever walk the face of the earth. Now, I'm excluding everybody who works for the Bottom Line Show and K. Bright and KCBC and all those things because you got to be tough. you got to have a thick skin to work at Christian Radio. That's for sure. But if you've noticed younger people kind of falling apart, look at the gender dysphoria that's turning into gender confusion. Look at the people who were attacking Riley Gaines, the swimmer, at San Francisco State last week where she tried to speak out and actually had a fairly 
honest and level-headed conversation about why she believes the biblical worldview for male and female is the proper way to go. It wasn't until afterwards that the trans activist who accused her of being hate speech-minded and transphobic literally came rushing after her. One man who identifies as a woman, from what I understand, hit her and forced her into a conference room with some other campus security. They were stuck in there for three hours before the activist would let them out. But go on a college campus and that resilience, the fact that you can't stand up to an argument that you don't agree with, you can't reason it away. Over half of college students today think it's perfectly acceptable to use physical violence to quote unquote shut up people who say things that you don't like because it's hate speech, because words are violence. Dr. Andy Garrett has made available to us the seven-day resiliency challenge. It's an online course that would cost you about 100 bucks if you were to take it online. But we have seven of these to give away free today. 800-227-5278. It's Everyone Wednesday. Uh, we've got two copies of Shannon Bream's book and seven of these seven-day resiliency challenges to take. You can do it all online. It only takes seven days. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. When we continue, let's get into the interviews. Shannon Bream joins me next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Well, special guest joining us today here on The Bottom Line, Shannon Bream, Fox News, well, the host of Fox News Sunday, which makes me so very excited. Easily the best news program on television right now, and I'm not saying that because Shannon's sitting here with me on the bottom line show today, but it really is an excellent show. And the author of best-selling books, the newest is just now out. It's called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship, and Faith. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon Bream, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you again. Our third annual visit, and uh, exactly. actually the last two were both on March 29th, so I'm sorry our, my schedule was kind of messed up otherwise. We just call it Shannon Bream Day here at the Bottom Line Show. Oh, I and love it. Yeah, I'm fans. honored to come any day. Well, any day in particular, <laughs> but of course, standing invite here. Um, you have served in many capacities in your career, attorney, um, covering landmark cases at the Supreme Court as a reporter, which is always a, a helpful sign. There are a lot of people who look at what's happening in the world right now and say, you know, this has never happened before. But then when you look at the book that you have just published, we begin to realize, you know what? I mean, there there are some things about friendship and romance and love that we find in scriptural times that kind of remind us that uh, the more things change, mm -hmm. the more they stay the same. Talk about that. Yeah, so right. So if you think about the bigger picture things like famines and wars and tragedies, yes, 
those things have been going on for all of humanity. And so we see how God was woven through those stories of the Old and New Testament, that he's very aware that he is not silent or absent in those kinds of sufferings. But they're really personal things too, like infertility and widowhood and financial ruin and illness and loss of a loved one. I mean, those are all universal themes that unfortunately um, have gone through time. And so when we look around today, we see how you know divided we feel in so many different issues. We think about Gosh, in the Old Testament, it was a serious Game of Thrones issue. I mean, there were <laughs> nations warring, there were ethnicities warring with each other. I mean, it was a really difficult time. So you're right. I mean, like, I guess in Ecclesiastes, I think it is where Solomon says, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Uh, but it's a good reminder to us that God works through all of those very difficult things. When we see what's happening in the culture right now as the definition of relationships and friendships and things like that, the kind of romantic love uh, notion has kind of flown out the window in terms of what God intended in terms of biblical romantic love versus what the culture now says, you know, romantic love is. It's kind of if you love someone, you're supposed to have physical intimacy with them because that's romantic love. You've found a couple of really good examples, though, in your new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, that talk about what you call romantic love. Uh, talk about... <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned uh, Ecclesiastes. Let's talk about Song of Solomon for just a moment. That's probably one of the more confusing <laughs> passages in Scripture, yes. especially when you start talking about the way guys describe women and things like that. But <laughs> it really does describe the gift of love so very well. Talk about that if you would. It really does. And it's one of those books that you don't hear a ton of sermons on. And I'm like, okay, if we're doing love stories of the Bible, we got to weed into this. And so I'm going to call on some experts here because there are people who, you know, they're biblical scholars who disagree. Is it kind of an allegory for God's love for the Israelites or Christ's love for us? Or was it a real relationship? And the majority of them believe this was a real relationship. And you can see the yearning between these people. And I always say, it's not like God's like, wait a minute, what is going on down there? I mean, he invented us and he created us and he knows that our hearts are going to long for things. Our bodies are going to long for things. And here we see these two really describing how attracted they are physically to each other. But we also see the great respect they have for each other. And, you know, it, here the bride is describing to the groom, like you're a man of great character and everybody would want to be with you and in your life. I mean, it's beyond just the physical, but we see that these two are waiting to try to get this thing right and are so anxious to be joined in marriage. So it does kind of fly in the face of what the world tells us about relationships and just, mm -hmm. you know, do what you want. It doesn't matter if you use people up and kind of climb your way to the top of whatever you want to do, whether that's work relationships, friendships, or quote unquote, romantic relationships. I mean, we really are called to a much higher standard of being each other's servants and helpers. And, and that's where you really get to real intimacy. That's not just the physical. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Shannon Bream is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about her brand new book called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You kind of threw me off, Shannon, with the concept of, okay, we're talking love stories. When you discussed Adam and Eve, and, and the reason it threw me off, quite frankly, is I'm guilty as charged. Whenever I think of Adam and Eve, the first thing I think of is, well, great, original sin. Hey, you know, <laughs> so, open rebellion before God. Thanks a lot. I don't think about the romance at all. And yet there is a romantic component to the yeah. relationship. Talk about that, if you would. Yeah, I love how in Genesis we see God going through each day of creation. And he says, and it was good. He observes it as good. And then we see Adam by himself. There's no partner for him. None of the animals, he's named them. And God says, it's not good, you know, that Adam's alone. And so we see this beautiful creation of Eve. Um, they're both created in God's image. And, you know, she is not lesser than him in any way as a human, as a woman. I mean, God has her as his easer, as the 
word that is used in Hebrew, a helper or a rescuer. This is not just someone who is silently sitting by. I mean, God gave them commands to, you know, go and populate the world and to be in dominion over it. I mean, they had jobs and they had a partnership. It was really a beautiful thing. But if you look at them too, I think sometimes we forget as parents, you know, Cain killed Abel. So their two sons, they lose them both because, you know, Cain is then, um, you know, sent off to be alone right. in the world. And we see that Adam and Eve turn to each other for comfort and they continue to stay together and build their family. That's after the tragedy of, you know, the original sin and being tossed out of Eden. I mean, these are people who walk through real tough things together, but as that first husband and wife that God put together, I mean, they stuck together and they work together through the really tough things. Mm. The Love Stories of the Bible Speak is the brand new book by Shannon Bream from Fox News Channel. Biblical lessons on romance, friendship, and faith. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Our New Testament entry into the romantic love is a couple that we think about at Christmas time a lot, but oftentimes it's more out of obedience and duty. It isn't necessarily much about romance, but we have to remember that Mary and Joseph fell in love at some point, did they not? I mean, unless this was an arranged marriage and we just missed that in the text. Yeah. And think about that. So they were promised to each other, essentially engaged or are, are equivalent of that. And mm -hmm. so when Mary turns up pregnant and she knows this is a divine assignment from God, um, she is visited. And then eventually Joseph is visited too. He could have walked away from her in that scenario. It would have been a terrible place for her to be in society, to be unwed and pregnant. Um, but he doesn't. He, he believes God's message and messenger, and he decides to stay with her. And then we see this devotion. It's very selfless because they're on the run from the beginning. I mean, when it's just a baby. Joseph has to protect them and provide for them and shepherd them into, you know, uncharted lands and territories to protect this young family. And I kind of like, was Joseph the greatest stepdad ever? Because he's mm, raising right. this son who will be the savior of the world. And they, of course, then have their own children, but they're building a family and really raising children. And all throughout this, whatever dreams they had maybe had for themselves as a young couple before they got married, um, all of that was given over to this divine assignment. So I, you know, we rightfully so, there's a ton of focus on Mary, but I thought in this book, I really want to focus on Joseph too. I mean, and the, the love he must've had as a husband to be so sacrificial in going along on this journey and protecting this family. As we're talking about the romantic love and the biblical lessons on romance, as well as friendship and faith that we find in Shannon Bream's new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Shannon, what's the response been like from your readers? I mean, obviously you've got a cadre of them now. I mean, this is the third year in a row. You've had a best-selling book that uh, that focuses on a biblical theme. What are you hearing from the, the readers and, and which of their stories is maybe surprising you a little bit? Like, wow, I didn't think that chapter or that story would really get to people the way it did. Yeah. You know what I really love is that I've heard from couples who say they're doing this book together, either oh, nice. taking mm -hmm. turns reading to each other or they're studying it together. And I love that because so often, you know, the first couple of books, Women of the Bible Speak, Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, obviously a heavily female influenced um, storyline through the Bible, although there are men obviously important and woven in all those stories too. Sure. And so um, I actually had a guy come to me in church a couple of weeks ago, stop me and say, I just wanted to let you know, your women of the Bible speak stories. We decided to do the study guide and do it as a men's group. And I thought, really? No, I was a little <laughs> surprised by that, but he How said, you know, we wanted to kind of do it to honor our moms and our wives and our daughters I and like that. really dig into the stories from the Bible that highlight the women. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear with this new book that couples are doing it together. And, and I'm hoping that it will, um, as it did for me in studying and writing it, just give you a new appreciation for the relationships in your life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and it's just now out. Shannon Bream, the author of The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship, and Faith. Uh, we've got that up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll get into the friendship side of this on the other side of the break as The Bottom Line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Shannon Bream is my guest, the host of Fox News Sunday on the Fox News Channel and also the senior legal analyst for the Fox News Channel as well. She is the author of a brand new book that we're giving away today here on the Bottom Line Show called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Less biblical lessons on romance, friendship, and faith. And we're having a delightful conversation about this book. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com and a copy of it to give away. 800 227 5278 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Also, on the other side of this break, we've got Shannon's, uh, the second part of our conversation with Shannon Bream, and Dr. Andy Garrett is waiting in the wings. It's Everyone Wednesday today, and boy, am I excited about what Andy and I are going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about faith and resilience. Andy Garrett is one of the foremost authorities on biblical identity in the world, and it all began when he was doing his internship. He's a, has a, uh, he's a clinical psychologist, so he has a PsyD degree, doctorate in psychiatry, psychiatric medicine. Uh, he developed something called the Seven Day Resilience Challenge during the uh, Great Recession of 2008, when most of his patients who were coming in for uh, clinical psychological problems had never had psychological pr problems before, but they were high-functioning professionals who had worked in industries that were going away, you know, working for uh, Lehman Brothers and uh, the Wells Fargo and B of A and places like that, Charles Schwab. They'd lost their job, they'd lost their identity. And Andy developed a seven-day resiliency challenge that we're gonna talk about on the other side of this break. I have seven of these challenges. They run about $97 a piece. Actually, if you take the full deep dive into this, it's several thousand dollars worth of training. But we have the seven day resiliency challenge by Dr. Andy Garrett, and we have seven of those to give away. So between Shannon Bream's book and Andy uh, Garrett's seven day resiliency challenge, we have a lot of great things to give away today here on this Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, you're gonna be asking for Shannon Bream's book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, and or Dr. Andy Garrett's seven-day resiliency challenge. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break. Shannon Bream joins me again next as the bottom line continues. 
Shannon Bream is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. You watch Shannon every Sunday on Fox News Sunday. She's the chief legal correspondent for the Fox News Channel. How many years now? I mean, I, I, you're still in your uh -oh. late 20s. So, I mean, how many right. years have you been? I started as a middle schooler. That's right. <laughs> I want to say, I think this will be my 16th year at Fox. Wow. So wow. it literally feels like the blink of an eye. And I guess it's a good sign. Yeah, definitely. What is your response when you hear? I mean, I watch the cable news landscape like a lot of other people do too, and there's so many shifting sand moments that seem to be happening with all the different stories to cover. Um, what gives you the most hope that the path that you're on is the right one? I mean, I know you know that personally, but corporately, as far as the Fox News Channel goes. You know what? I love that we try to look for places where there are places of agreement. I mean, what gets ratings? Mm. People arguing yeah. and, and making their points. And we want to have people that are very capable, gifted advocates on both sides or all sides of an issue. So I think that's really good because we trust our viewers. They're smart enough to, you know, reason through things and make their own decisions. But I do like where we can find areas of agreement. And we've taped something that's going to be on Fox News Sunday very soon. And it's two members of the Senate from either sides of the aisle who are in a Bible study together. I heard about this and I was okay. like, is this for real? And yeah. we reached out to their offices and I can't wait to tell folks a little bit more about that and roll it out. But these are people who on really big issues don't often vote together. I mean, rarely, mm. Mm. but they feel a real call to be servants and that their faith calls them to that. And they do very quietly have these bipartisan Bible studies. So I feel really um, you know, blessed to be in a place where we can do those stories too. Well, I will. We'll be watching. Check your local listings for an upcoming episode of Fox News Sunday, where Shannon Bream parts the Red Sea again, basically bringing people <laughs> from the left side and the right side together in the Senate. But they I, I, that'll be a the fascinating bringing them together. Yeah. yeah. OK, there you go. But you're the conduit. Uh, the Love Stories of the Bible Speak is the brand new book by Shannon Bream. Biblical lessons on romance, friendship and faith. We have a link for the book up at the bottom line show dot com. Uh, during the break, we were talking about the friendship section of the book. And you mentioned a friendship uh literally, I want to say forged in fire, yeah. uh, that that we don't think about as, we kind of think of these guys as accessories, not necessarily, you know, because Daniel's the main guy, but mm -hmm. talk about the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego friendship, because they went through a lot together and almost went, you know, all the way out yeah. of this yeah, world yeah. together. Talk about <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. So I don't know about you, but I did grow up in church and Sunday school. So I yeah. would have like a little flannel glass flannel graph little figures of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there'd be a furnace, mm -hmm. and they'd go in. And I mean, it's this really um, very descriptive story. And to me, it was one of the great friendships of the Bible, because Daniel and these three men were taken out of Jerusalem. They were they were taken against their wishes away to Babylon to be in the service of King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, they were foreigners in this land, but they were seen as very strong specimens, very bright men who the king wanted to put into his service. But what did he do? He started like stripping away their Hebrew identity changing the food they ate, the language they would speak, the literature that they would study, all of these things. And these men were like, these men were like, no, we, we are going to stay true to the God of Israel and to where we come from. And so Amen. there are a lot of different tests along the way, even the food that they eat. Um, you know, there's a, there's one set situation in which the king is so angry. He has a dream and he is so angry at all the wise men of the kingdom, which would include these men now because they had been groomed and trained and were trusted right. advisors to the king. And he said, I don't want just somebody to tell me what the dream means. I want somebody to tell me what the dream is. And they couldn't do it. And he's like, that's it. Every wise man's getting killed. Well, that would have been Daniel and his men, also his friends. And so he goes, um, Daniel says, you know, let me let me have a chance at this king. And he and his friends go and pray. And they ask the Lord to give um, clarity and revelation there. And they stick together in that moment and pray. And Daniel is given the revelation to go to the king, who then says, okay, your God is the real deal. He's the capital G of all the gods. I mean, he is the real thing. 
But it isn't much longer into Daniel where we see Nebuchadnezzar has apparently forgotten that because he puts together this big gold statue and he says to everybody, when you hear the music, you got to stop and bow down to this fake idol. And again, these men are like, we are not doing it. And there's this beautiful passage where Nebuchadnezzar is so angry. He's like, okay, whoever doesn't agree, agree to this, you're getting thrown into a furnace. They heat it up so hot that the men who are assigned to throw the people in are actually killed going to throw the people in. And there's this beautiful passage where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go to the king. And they're like, okay, that's it. We're going into the fire. We know our God can save us. We know yes. he can. But even if he doesn't, we are not going to serve your gods. And I think Amen. it's this beautiful thing of recognizing God can do anything. Now, his will and his way and his plan is sometimes different than what we um, you know, would desire and what we pray for. And we have to allow for his sovereignty and trust in that. But these men were like, great, going into the fire. They stuck there. Not one peeled off was like, oh, I'm not with those other guys. I, <laughs> I can do the nailing down thing during the music. Sure. So they go in and there's three of them in there. Nebuchadnezzar's like, wait a minute, didn't we throw th three people in? There's a fourth. And a lot of people believe that was Christ there with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They come out, not a hair singed, not a fabric singed. They don't even smell like smoke. So Nebuchadnezzar, again, is forced to recognize that these guys, their God is the capital G, the real God. Um, and what a witness and a testimony that these guys, as you said, this is a friendship forged in fire. We all want friends like that, but that requires us also to be friends like that. Yeah, boy, that's powerful. And especially for those of us here in the People's Republic of California, where one <laughs> pastor actually refers to our governor as Governor Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it's, it's pretty appropriate, I think. But this is a great reminder of where friendships are forged because i mean what does scripture say a brother is born for adversity and sometimes a brother is born from adversity yeah. and shannon bring brings that to life in a brand new book called the love stories of the bible speak biblical lessons on romance friendship and faith we have a link for the book up at the bottomlineshow.com timely possibly controversial friendship that you get into because i think it gets misconstrued a lot in the culture of course we're talking about david and jonathan and yeah. the friendship that they had and some ways that scripture even describes it and it comes off, you know, some some people misconstrue that as saying, well, they're endorsing more than just a friendship relationship. Talk about what we can learn from David and Jonathan. Yeah. And it's interesting because that friendship's always kind of up for that debate because these guys were so devoted to each other. Yeah. Remember for folks out there to set the stage, King Saul was the king. Jonathan was his son and would have been presumed to be the prince, the next in line. But God had chosen David. So David and Jonathan are the best of friends and Saul murderously wants to kill David. He pulls all kinds of tricks. He gives him one of his yeah. daughters who happens to be in love with David saying, I'm going to use her as a stumbling block. Jonathan never wavers in this friendship to David because he sees that his father is wrong and that God has anointed David to be the next king. He could have said, wait a minute. I'm the prince here. He could have shared in his father's mission to get rid of David, but he didn't. He defended David again and again. And we see them in this deep covenant of friendship that kind of broke all norms of the day. When David did become king uh, and Saul was gone, it, what would have happened back in those days is that he would have wiped out anyone from Saul's family. So there was no claim to the throne. David would have made it his own. But instead, because of this lifelong pledge and non-life pledge that he had with Jonathan, he said, is there anybody left from Jonathan's line? Is there anybody out there that I can serve? And he finds out that Jonathan has this son, Mephibosheth, who was hmm. lame, who'd been injured while fleeing for his life. And he's this young boy that is, um, you know, been hidden because the people who had him were afraid that David would wipe him out. Instead, David remembers this pledge and this covenant with Jonathan. And it's like, no, bring Mephibosheth. He's going to be like one of my sons and eat at the table with me. So 
it was something that was very selfless on both their parts. And um, I had a great conversation with Pastor Darren Whitehead out of Church of the City of Franklin in Nashville. And he talked about people who get this relationship wrong and how it was mm -hmm. very clear that this was, um, you know, a friendship that we it's hard to relate to today because we're not that vulnerable and transparent. Most of us are not running for our lives, which obviously <laughs> forges <laughs> into our friendship when you're under that kind of threat. Yeah. Um, but he actually said this should be a model for more men to have these deeper friendships and feel like they can confide in somebody and really have each other's backs in a way that in modern society, we don't always make the time to do. Mm. Boy, it, it, I'm sitting here longing for those friendships that I've had in the past that were that deep, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't think it ever touched David and Jonathan, but you, you've you seen this, Shannon, and, uh, with the, the men in your life, knowing that uh, your husband, your uh, your world-famous brother-in-law, um, <laughs> and Tamara, my producer's Braves fan, so of course she's never going to forget that one. Oh, but yeah. the idea but the idea that guys, you know, have that friendship and that need for friendship and to be vulnerable to know and be known is, mm -hmm. is really huge. And Shannon Bream from Fox News Channel has written a new book that talks about friendship love and romantic love. It's called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship, and Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon, we have got about 90 seconds left in our conversation. And I know there's one overarching story that we haven't talked about yet that I think would put a nice little ribbon on this conversation about God's love for us played out in an Old Testament love story that seems really one-sided. And yeah, it's kind of messy. Um, and I do yeah. include the messy stories. You know that in all these books, because I think there's yeah. beauty to be learned from that. And we're all flawed. I ask for forgiveness every day. So I'm glad <laughs> that God uses flawed people. But Amen. yeah, Hosea and Gomer, he was a prophet. And God told him to go marry this woman who was sort of of ill repute. Gomer, he does. And she is unfaithful to him. They have children and she runs off with other people. And, you know, through the whole thing, you can see God weaving it through with the story of Israel, all the times he pulled them back to his heart and they chased after other things and other gods. And, you know, at the end of his story, God is telling Hosea, go get Gomer, go redeem her. And he bought her sort of out of whatever debt she was in or situation she was in. And it wasn't just that, but he said, I'm going to take you home and love you. Like this mm. is going to be a real marriage. And we see that it was a difficult, ugly thing, but God was saying to Israel, like you run off all the time, but I'm always going to come back and redeem you. And I think the Bible as a whole is God's love story to humanity saying like, I love you unconditionally. I'm just waiting here for you. And um, I may tell you as Christ did in the new Testament with a woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Right. But I'm also going to say, I don't condemn you. I think that's God is saying to us as human beings, he wants that relationship. Yeah, it's John three seventeen for sure. I mean, when we think about the love story that we have between the Lord and us and that redemption that we celebrate, especially this time of year. Shannon Bream, the time always goes by much too quickly, but the books keep coming and they're so good. So we'll just mark our calendar for this time next year and put a date, <laughs> but go ahead and book it in advance. The new book by Shannon Bream is The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship, and Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Shannon Bream, thanks again for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you. God bless you. What a great dialogue and always fun. Our annual conversation right around this time this year, uh, every year anyway, with Shannon Bream, the host of Fox News Sunday and the brand new book that she has just released within a week or so. And it's already in the top 50 on Amazon, of course. The book is called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Biblical Lessons on Romance, Friendship and Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's Everyone Wednesday. And that means that everybody who calls in is going to win something. Two of our fortunate Bottom Line Show listeners are going to win a copy of Shannon Bream's new book. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about biblical identity with the world's leading authority on identity. Dr. Andy Garrett is going to join me, and he's going to talk about how we can apply biblical principles to discovering our true identity and truly thriving because we're resilient and the tough times don't knock us down. Oh, he's also going to give us a rather juicy detail about his personal life and his very famous grandfather, whose hamburgers you have probably enjoyed for many, many years. That's all coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com, hit the Preborn banner right now. Dr. Andy Garrett is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Andy Garrett is the pride of Azusa Pacific University, and we are grateful that he is, is uh, in the space that he occupies as a clinical psychologist, a PsyD, if I got your credentials right. straight. I didn't know nice. they were doing PsyDs at uh, APU. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Not many people know the distinction. In yeah. fact, a lot of people even get confused between psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists. So mm-hmm. getting down to that, uh, the PsyD spe- specificity. I love, too, because really it's a focus on the clinical application. So mm-hmm. while I certainly have a foundation of research and science and all that stuff, that's not nearly as exciting to me as mm-hmm. actually getting a chance to get into the uh, the grind and, and work with clients and, mm-hmm. and really take the practical piece and helping people to improve their lives. Well, Not to I, say that research doesn't do that. But. Yeah, ag-thrive.com is the website where you can find more about Dr. Andy Garrett and the great ministry he has. Um, and the, I've gotten to know Andy over the past few months, and one of the things that I appreciate about you is your authenticity, of course, and your desire to help people. But it is kind of fun, too, when you do have this, you know, when you get to know somebody and you find out, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that was a part of your story as well. I have a thing for the grandfather-grandson relationship because my dad's father and I were not terribly close. My mother's father, who apparently I'm a lot like, died a month, a year before I was born. Wow. So I've no, I, do, I have that kind of hole. Yeah. Yep. You have a very special relationship with your grandfather. And may I also add, you have a very special grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> talk about your relationship with your grandpa. Yeah. Lo- love getting a chance to, to talk about. So my grandpa was Carl Karcher, right? So he started Carl's Jr., founder. Oh, that Carl's Jr. Yeah, Carl's, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what was neat is, you know, we, we grew up and, and lived right down the street. There was even a period of time where we actually lived with him at his house. And nice. so I got a chance to really spend a lot of time and be heavily influenced uh, by him and, and to get a front row seat uh, of demonstration of, of who he was. And despite his success, right, I've been around a lot of successful people and mm-hmm. the work I do sure. and just, you know, living here in Orange County. 
Uh, and you see a lot of times people just have massive egos and right. they <laughs> often need to be told how amazing they are. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they can create a, a wake of damage while they're successful, uh, you know, not so much in some of the relationships. Yeah. What was neat about my grandpa is the thing that I've, you know, like the most successful thing about him is mm -hmm. who he was as a person. Yeah. And what he demonstrated as, because he constantly talked about his core values, right? Mm -hmm. He would talk about faith first, family, right? He loved his country. He loved, you know, kind of the, the you know, free market society where you sure. could, you could, you know, work hard enough. The whole Horatio Alger story, yeah. right? Kind of rags to riches. And in doing that, you can create a business that supports other people being able to support their families. Mm -hmm. But the way he invested into people and the way he just really loved connecting, like, well, he created a, a fast food empire. I mean, really, it was always a people business. Mm. And I got a chance to actually go with him into Carl's Juniors, and he always paid his own way. Like, we never, people always <laughs> like, did you just get unlimited free food? Right. <laughs> that was not the case. Yeah. He did give out, he loved to give out free hamburger passes yes. with the. Uh yeah, well, you and I have that that connection. When I was working for Ambassador Advertising, and our headquarters were in Fullerton, but right on the Fullerton-Anaheim border. Right. Um, we would go to. I, I didn't realize that it was that Carl's Jr. It was right by the corporate headquarters, and yeah. it was not yeah. uncommon to see your grandpa walking around handing out free famous stars, not the burgers, <laughs> but you know, coupons for them. And, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes we were hoping that maybe the line would be too long, you know, or something, or that he would feel like, "Hey, I got to do this." But he was just. I mean. He just kind of like Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel. He just kind of had that way about yeah, him. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I'm talking with Dr. Andy Garrett today here on The Bottom Line, the reason I appreciate you sharing this story about your grandfather is when I grew up, both my parents were only children. And so I had one grandfather, two grandmothers, but they didn't have they got three grandkids. They didn't have to worry too much about, you know, how they were going to spend their time. Right. Carl Karcher, being a devout Catholic, he and his wife, your grandma and grandpa, had a lot of kids <laughs> who then had a lot of kids. <laughs> and so you speak yeah. fondly of a grandfather and you were, what number grandchild were you? So I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm going to butcher this. It's in the fifties. Right? The, okay. I, because your mom is one is, of, she's the 10th of 12. Okay. So that's just a, a massive family. Yes. I mean, family gatherings and reunions were just pure chaos, but they were amazing. He didn't just call out numbers or whatever. <laughs> and his grandkids would come running up. You know, that was part of the beauty of watching him, whether this was in family settings or whether we go to Angels baseball games. Mm -hmm. People would come up to him and say, Carl, you know, I, I don't know if you remember me, but you gave me or my dad his first job 20 years ago. He was amazing at remembering people's names. Mm. And I've always joked around that if that's a genetic thing, it skipped a gene, right, <laughs> that I didn't inherit that. You're right. I realized now and really building out some of the programs and, and using my grandpa as a model to talk about resilience and authenticity and identity and things, that he just was so comfortable and secure in who he was that when he would meet someone, he prioritized remembering their name. Mm. So. Sometimes when I meet people, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to admit, but it's true that I'm, I'm thinking about what am I going to say next, right? How mm -hmm, am I going to mm -hmm. you know, ask a question or say something that's impressive? But he was so secure and in the moment that when he'd meet people, he just prioritized memory in their names. So people would come up to him at a baseball game and he would say, you know, Tim, I remember you from, you know, all these years ago. And you could see how mm -hmm. something so simple like that made that person feel so special. Yeah. And so he did little practices like that that just did a phenomenal job of really prioritizing, make, making people feel special you know, building into relationships and creating these authentic connections that just left an indelible oppression, impression upon me. Dr. Andy Garrett is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his practice as a uh, clinical psychologist, a degree in PsyD as That's opposed right. to a PhD or, you know, that type of thing. And the work that you do with people and some of the challenges that are a lot of people are feeling. And we're having a good nostalgic moment about his grandfather, Carl Karcher, yeah. the founder of Carl's Jr. But you talk about the resilience that he must have had and your grandmother must have had as well. 
didn't he start with like a little hot dog cart in downtown Los Angeles? I mean, he really, <laughs> that's right. I mean, you want to talk about resilience and perseverance. <laughs> I mean, you you had to during oh, yeah. that time. To, and the restaurant business is cruel. It's just my my, oh, my, yeah. my grandfather and grandmother did own a restaurant in Santa Fe Springs for about 10 years. Right. It was to show you how rotten their business luck was. That restaurant that was OK was the best thing they ever did. Yeah. But yep. it didn't spur a franchise. You are sensing now in your practice, the people you're dealing with, that that there's a kind of a crisis, mm. if you will, in America with regard to our level of resilience. To As Sylvester Stallone said, the reason why Rocky was so popular, not that he won the championship all the time or that he could hit hard, but that he could take a punch. Yeah, That's yeah. What, what people needed to see, and that's what they, re, re, they resounded with, they resonated with. Talk Absolutely. about why resilience is so important these days. You know, especially in this timing right now, what really struck out to me is that in 2008, last time we we went through a, an economic recession. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just bought a house with my wife and we were starting private practice. I had just left another job. So I thought, you know, probably be good to pick up a little, you know, kind of guaranteed income. So I went back to the psychiatric hospital that I had done my internship at and took them on some part-time work. Yeah. And we had a very consistent kind of population or demographic that we served there, right? We saw a lot of times people with severe mental illness, uh, people with severe depression, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, things like that. However, in 2008, we saw this unique shift where a certain percentage of our population were these high-functioning individuals that were very successful, but their identity was so attached to their success that Mm -hmm. when the market conditions changed, they weren't able to rebound. So they kept trying to apply the same things that were no longer working, and they got tunnel vision, right? Mm -hmm. Where if they had been able to stay poised and they had the resilience, they could have very easily pivoted and been able to creatively Mm -hmm. kind of create new avenues where not only did they survive the you know recession, but they could have potentially even grown. Mm-hmm. But instead, because their identity was so attached to their success, they felt so, like such failures and they felt so ashamed that it's like they're, they, they got stuck in this vicious cycle. It got worse and worse. And next thing you know, it's like everything collapsed on them and they ended up getting hospitalized. Mm. I know that's a really extreme example. But you saw a lot of those cases. Yeah. And, and I think everybody thinks, I'm sure, that that's not going to happen to me. Those people didn't think it was ever going to happen to them. Right, right. And so knowing that we're heading into tough times, you know, I'm, I'm helping out a lot of people that are going through transitions that have been laid off unexpectedly. And I see the challenge it takes in going through the ups and downs of trying to find a new job in these current you know, market conditions. And it's tough. If you don't have resilience right now, and I'm not talking about a general sense of resilience of I just you know never quit and I, I have grit and I can tough it out. Yeah. But where you actually have really specific, what we refer to in our program is radical resilience, mm-hmm. where you've defined it so clearly in your language. So you're prioritizing the right things, right? You have clearly defined what your greatest strengths are, your tools, your resources, your mantras, your beliefs, so that you're very quickly able to rebound from challenging moments, setbacks, failure, rejection, whatever it might be, into growth mode. Dr. Andy Garrett, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about his seven-day resiliency challenge. We've got a bunch of them to give away today on Everyone Wednesday. Uh, We've got seven, as a matter of fact. Call right now. Get yours, 800-227-5278, That's the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. We're also taking your calls for Shannon Bream's new book as well. So lots to give away here on Everyone Wednesday. More in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Andy Garrett is my guest, and we are talking about his seven-day resiliency challenge. Uh, Dr. Andy Garrett is a psychiatrist at PsyD from Azusa Pacific University. Also, uh, has he mentioned yet that he's one of Carl Karcher's 
grandsons. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of how we got to know each other. But I love the work that he's doing because we, you've seen it and I've seen it too. We've seen too many younger people, especially in Generation Z, but also in the millennial generation, who were taught by Generation X and baby boomer parents that the world was theirs, that nobody loses, everybody gets a trophy, et cetera, et cetera. And now they have a hard time when a, a light breeze blows through and challenges one of their beliefs. And But a lot of Christians, especially those of us in our generation too, are facing this as well. Back in 2008, when Andy was doing his uh, internship at a psychiatric hospital, he noticed that there was a larger proportion of high-functioning professionals who had never had any history with psychological problems before being admitted to psychiatric hospitals because they were losing it. Nervous breakdowns, the whole shot, because their industry had fallen apart and they did not know what to do. They could not function. So he developed something that he now... Uh, makes available to uh, those who are willing to go through it. It's called the seven day resiliency challenge. It's biblically based. And we have seven of these to give away free. That's a $97 value, nearly a $100 value. And you could do it all online, but you need a special access code. And we have that here for you at the Bottom Line Show Studios. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have seven of these seven-day resiliency challenges from Dr. Andy Garrett to give away. 800-227-5278. And oh, by the way, we are still taking calls for a few moments longer for Shannon Bream's outstanding book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. We've got one of those copies to give away as well. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Resilience is the hallmark of the Christian life. I mean, think of the great fathers and mothers of the faith that we look to as examples of perseverance. And of course, talking about resiliency, Jesus modeled that perfectly on the cross for us when his body was racked with pain, when his soul and spirit were preparing for the inevitable of going to the cross. And yet he said, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. Even though the physical pressure was so intense, he was sweating drops of what should have been sweat, but they looked like drops of blood. It was that intense. Are we willing to withstand the pressures of this life, whether it be the inconveniences of maybe losing a job or some financial pressure or the greater pressures of what happens when your faith is challenged? What happens when you might wind up losing everything you have just for professing the name of Jesus Christ? We're going to talk more with Dr. Andy Garrett about resiliency on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Keep it right here. It's amazing to talk to Dr. Andy Garrett about this. Uh, ag-thrive.com is the website where you can learn more about counseling and you can learn more about resourcing. You can learn more about what to do because I can imagine 2008, it was, I'm a vice president with Lehman Brothers. Oh, yeah. Well, no, you're not. Uh, yeah. 2023, it's, hey, I'm the president of Silicon Valley Bank. Whew. Ooh, I mean, uh, a Signature Bank. I mean, I, I was a crypto millionaire. I mean, yep. and it's amazing though, for, for those who were, you were talking primarily about people who are maybe a little bit older, Right now, the younger generation yes. that has this really flimsy definition of self, as yep. in, oh, I, we were, my wife and I were watching one of those TV shows where they go and visit people's houses. Right. And there was this young woman, and she was living in a 6,000-square-foot mansion in the Hollywood Hills. Not bad. And I finally, I had to Google her, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I mean, how did you make your money? <laughs> right. And I, she, it turned out she had 
been a social media influencer, and one year her net income was $11 million. Yeah. But here's this 25-year-old kid with all this goofy stuff in her house. And I thought, what happens? My wife's question was, what happens when the website goes down? Yeah. What happens when she's no longer the flavor of the month? Talk about what you're seeing in your practice, Dr. Garrett, with regard to resilience. And I know you have yeah. a program that's helping people. Yeah. Thank you. Develop and it. I've seen this year. So I do work with some young adults. And uh, so students that were prepping for college, uh, they were, you know, part of that COVID generation that, mm-hmm. you know, had a, a year taken off, a year of development that they right. lost. Right. So they have now spent all this time preparing, taking the SATs, getting great grades. They're down at schools. And when they get down there, uh, they're so far outside their comfort zone and they don't have the they didn't have a, a plan heading into it. Right. A, a resilience plan, I would, I'll call it. And so when they get down there, all of a sudden they just the anxiety started building. They started getting, you know, r- really uh, dealing with a lot of, of shame and avoidance. And next thing you know that the walls close on them so much, they're having to take a medical leave. Mm. I've had more referrals this semester, this past semester, than I've had my entire career before that. Wow. So we're seeing, I think, more and more of that. We're seeing, I know, more students that are choosing just not to go to college altogether and people really struggling to find a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. right? I think with resilience, you know, if you have a sense of purpose, then you're going to naturally just have more resilience, right? Right. helps you get through those times where mm-hmm. you're trying to find motivation. If you're able to tap into a clear sense of why, which comes from who you are, that's how all of a sudden you're able to find resilience when, when you need it most. How did you develop this program? I mean, because we often talk, you could say, well, my grandfather's Carl Karcher and he started in the restaurant business and he hung in there by the, you know, pulled himself up by his bootstraps and, right. you know, every time life gave, he could take a punch, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I'll just be like him. Well, obviously you're not him. Right. And, yep. uh, you know, you're not in the restaurant business. Yep. You're helping other people. But I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are saying, well, now, I mean, when you're talking to Generation Z that says there's an app for everything. Yep. You know, there's got to be a way. You found a way that has proven to work for people who are older, but people who are younger as well. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, appreciate that. And, and my grandpa did set a great example. In fact, it's interesting through all of his success, the time that he had the greatest influence on me was really when he nearly lost everything. Mm. So mm-hmm. my aunt had uh, had passed away in, in really tragic circumstances. His brother, who was the uh, vice president of Carl's Jr., passed away from cancer. He he had gone through open heart surgery, and there was an attempt for to get him fired from his own company. In fact, right. he was pushed out temporarily. And so, in the midst of all this, when he's going through all you know all, all these these incredible you know uh, challenges that would crush a lot of people, I'm sure you know I wouldn't want to have to deal with all that simultaneously. Right. Right. And yet, if you were around him during that time, you would never know he's going through any of this. He continued to have just a great attitude to pour into other people, to be generous and kind. He stayed true to his principles, right, which is one of the things. Mm-hmm. So in looking back at what allowed him to be so resilient and to rise above through those incredibly challenging circumstances, I really just put on my psychologist hat. I think you know one of the things I've always been good at is putting together unique creative treatment plans. Mm-hmm. So I just saw this as an opportunity. It's not really a treatment plan. It's just a growth plan, right? So if I had to reverse engineer and kind of deconstruct what he did, but put it in psychological principles, right? My grandpa graduated from eighth grade, never mm-hmm. and even went to high school. So most of the terms that were using the principles aren't things that he said. Right. It's me being able to understand from, again, that psychology perspective, but then putting it in language and creating a framework where, again, I'm not trying to create a bunch of Carl Karchers. Right. Like, like you said very wisely, right? I'm not like my grandpa. You know, I might have some attributes, but I'm, I'm incredibly sensitive. Not that he wasn't sensitive, but I'm like over the top sensitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. So I have to create a framework that's unique to who I am. 
But if you have a framework where suddenly you can start to put this in language, you have a repeatable process now to be able to consistently tap into your resilience. Mm -hmm. And so that's what my grandpa taught me is that he put in these principles, right? He was able to prioritize the right things. A lot of, of when you get stuck in a really difficult place, you know, what we refer to it sometimes is someone develops disordered thinking or disordered behavior or a mental disorder. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm necessarily a big fan of that terminology, but disorder literally means to put things in the wrong order, right? right? Yeah. Which creates confusion and chaos. Mm -hmm. When suddenly you start to focus and put things in the proper order, you're prioritizing the right things, you start to feel stronger, right? You're focusing on your values. When I'm focused on my core values, it's amazing how resilient I feel. I feel laser focused. I feel like I'm capable. And there's great research that supports, right? When people do simple little things, five minutes a day of affirming their values and then saying, how do I want to move towards my values today? It changes their inner narrative and how they see themselves. They start to develop a narrative of self-efficacy and they believe they can overcome their circumstances. If we can teach young adults, if we can teach even older adults, right, how to do simple things that help them to start to feel like, I got this. Mm -hmm. I know God's equipped me. And mm -hmm. then to be able to have a specific language that means something to them so that when they tap into that, all of a sudden they feel capable, right? Yeah. I, I love thinking of uh, David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Goliath is out there creating all kinds of chaos as yeah. he's challenging. Disorder. I, can it, yeah, yeah, imagine people just trying to avoid eye contact and not sure. wanting. Sure. And here comes David, the little runt, right? The, <laughs> the least person you'd expect to take on that challenge. Yeah. But he knew who he was and he'd been building this whole time a set of tools by taking on these wolves and the lions that were, you know, attacking mm -hmm. his, his uh, 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 sheep. And so, you know, God had been building this incredible faith and trusting in God, but this courage and, of course, his incredible skill with the slingshot. Mm -hmm. So when that moment came, and, of course, the king and his brothers, they had a certain idea or image of what a soldier that was going to, you know, beat Goliath would look like. So right. they tried to put him into a traditional, you know, Roman soldier's outfit with a sword. If he didn't know who he was and he wasn't able to clearly say, those aren't my tools, those aren't the tools God's been. It literally does not fit me. Yep. Right. He would have been, I imagine, crushed. That story goes very differently. Yeah. But because he knew who he was, he knew he was just the man to meet that challenge. Mm -hmm. What if we can do a modern day version of that where suddenly we start to be able to say, I'm just the person to meet this challenge. I know that God's equipped me. And here's the specific resources that I have that will allow me to meet the Goliaths in my life, whatever right. those might be. I'm talking with Dr. Andy Garrett today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about resilience. We're talking about how you build it into not only your own life, but in the, if you're a parent, you know, into the lives of your children and grandparents who are listening to this conversation right now and watching us at myhopenow.com. I can't stress enough mm. how important that resilience is that you are modeling for your grandchildren because you grew up in a time when it was a lot more commonplace. You saw it in the culture right now. And the fact that Dr. Andy Garrett has had to kind of okay, what was it about my grandpa? You know, I mean, he, the Carl's Karcher thing, and then there was the merger with Hardee's, and then those crazy television, I mean, all that stuff, and he's, he's still, this is his company. Yeah. And yet the, I, the fact that you as a young man did not even get the sense that there was anything wrong yeah. you know, with, with him because of the resilience that he had. Um, let's talk about a program that you have. You're writing about this now. Right. You're you're publishing this. You're making this available to people so they can have a look at it. I mean, I'm I'm ready to sign up. Where do we? <laughs> what What does this entail? I mean, who who's yeah. going to benefit the most from your program right now? So the program that we are are writing about is a seven day challenge. Now, just to clarify, some people have asked, does that mean I have to do it in seven days, or yeah. there's a time limit? No. Right. We just put it together that there's a seven-step process and seven exercises. It's actually a bonus. I should say there's eight exercises. 
exercises mm -hmm. that you go through that are the foundation of resilience, right? Anybody that goes through and does this work will have developed resilience uh, at 98% further than, you know, anybody in the general population. Wow. So, I mean, these really are the foundational tools that will help you to tap into the type of resilience, again, there, there's a lot of people out there that I think are tough mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I just won't quit. And there's, you know, the whole saying, is, I, I think I've always been a person that I know I don't quit. Now, that right. doesn't mean, though, that I don't, you know, languish a lot of times in self-destructive cycles. Well, I know I won't quit. I'm not growing and I'm actually making some bad choices that prolong my ability to rebound quicker and start mm -hmm. actually making progress and growing. Mm -hmm. This is designed to help you quick, you know, get into rebound into growth. So that you have a very specific plan that you're able to apply. You know, we, we call it a vicious cycle or a, a negative feedback loop. So let's say I experience a setback that creates a, a feeling of fear and anxiety for me. All of a sudden that kicks in a belief. Oh, no, I don't have this. I'm going to everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to fail my family, which increases the fear and anxiety, which then increases the belief that I'm not equipped to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's like a, a snowball. Once that thing really starts to develop momentum, it's tough to get out of that cycle. Mm. And I'd say 95 percent of my bad choices happen when I'm in some type of cycle like that. Interesting. Right. And then I double down out of rigidity that all of a sudden I've made a bad choice. Right. I've pushed away the people that really are here to support me because I feel like I got to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now now I trip down just because I don't know how to get out of this cycle, right, right? right? Yeah. But when you're able to respond to a negative moment and you have that fear, but all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, here's the tools I have, right? Here's a, a, a mantra. I had just actually happened last week where I got a, a text on a deal I'd been working on for quite a long time and somebody pulled something really shady and underhanded mm. and it completely tanked the deal. Mm -hmm. And I was filled uh, with all kinds of anxiety and oh no, right? I was, I was really counting on this. Uh, and I know normally that could send me in a tailspin that would last anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour to a weekend to who knows how long. Mm -hmm. But I remembered, well, you know, you've actually just built a resilience challenge and there's a resilience mantra. And there's is one of the actually one of my favorite exercises in the program when times get tough. And then for me, it goes, I lean into my faith. I lean into my curiosity to always learn and grow and improve mm -hmm. and my support system, my family and friends to adapt, learn and grow. Right, that means something to me yeah. that allowed yeah. me to very quickly get into taking constructive action. And I responded by taking, you know, growing and figuring out, hey, well, that deal is no longer on the table. That doesn't mean that there's not a lot of other opportunities. Let me right. pivot quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. It's been two weeks. I've been in growth mode ever since then Love and been it. in a great headspace. Mm -hmm. What if we could help more people to respond to those difficult moments that instead of getting into that vicious cycle, you're able to get into, we call it like a, a virtuous feedback loop or just a positive feedback loop. Right. And that's that's the key to growing and thriving, whether this is in your marriage, whether this is in your business, whether this is at college, right? You're a student that goes down is are you able to limit when those negative moments that inevitably are going to happen? Do you then multiply that turning one negative moment into 10 or 15 mm. or are able to respond with growth so that you're able to, to really create a surplus of kind of momentum and growth that allows you to thrive? Boy, it's amazing. You, you used, used so many words that I, I was thinking, okay, if I'm if my brain is a search engine, you know, these are the things <laughs> that I have. The last one, thriving, of course. How many people are just trying to survive, survive. life as yeah. opposed to thriving? And God created us to thrive and to be fruitful and multiply That's in right. every aspect of our life, not just in having kids. Yeah. Um, there are so many areas, too, on the resilience side of this where we see people in the culture who get into that pattern. You know, they, I, oh, I yeah. love the way you described it because it's almost like I hit one pothole. There's got to be another one around here somewhere, <laughs> you know, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, just because I hit one, that means, well, maybe I can learn how to identify, you know, yeah. moving on. This is fascinating information. And remember to click on the link for ag-thrive.com at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, the conclusion of my conversation with Dr. Andy Garrett coming up next as The Bottom Line continues.
You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Andy Garrett is my guest. We're talking about thriving and building resiliency in difficult times. Let's get into part three of this conversation right now. Um, let's talk about how to kind of uh, an actionable step here you yeah. know, in terms of someone who goes to ag-thrive.com. What should they be looking for? What kind of opportunities do you have Excellent. for someone who says, you know what? That's me. I hear that and I get stuck in that loop. And you, you were generous when you talked about 15 minutes to an hour because I know something like that will happen and I'm in a funk for a week. You know, I mean, it's just really yeah, maybe longer if I want to be. You know, I was like, boy, that really hurt, man. I want to make sure that guy keeps hurting me. Yeah. So I'm stuck there. But we, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't. Life's too short. Yeah. You know, so yep. how do we be, how can we get to the point where we can let that stuff kind of deflect, take it for what it is and move forward? So uh, on the website, you'll uh, if, you, if you go there, there'll be a pop-up that is a sign-up for the program. Now, that's a, a self-guided program that you go through, and it has short videos because I know people don't necessarily have a lot of long attention span to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, They don't want to watch me speaking for two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, so short videos, they get right to the point. And the exercises were designed to be done in 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. So if you can just spend less than half an hour a day – Within seven or eight days, you will have built out again a robust plan for resilience that you can apply immediately that will help you overcome whatever circumstances you might be facing. Uh, now, we put that at $97. Uh, tried to make it really affordable. Mm -hmm. If somebody really needed it, like just reach out, send an email. The whole reason we built this program is to really make a difference, right? I'm motivated by impact, so I want to get this out to as many people as possible. We are in talks with a couple of universities to actually – they're looking to implement this into their curriculum to help mm -hmm. out because they're seeing the same challenge that sure. I'm seeing in my private practice. Sure. Um, but if someone wants to go deeper and they want actual guidance – what we'd love to do is really start to create uh, cohorts and to have groups that we can take through. And I've got you know myself and a couple of coaches that do group uh, you know uh, coaching, and it's incredibly powerful when you have people that are able to process together and, and share their experiences. And I tried this and applied this, and this worked, and that didn't. You're cheering on, you know, victories. So, or of course, you can do individual coaching to go through that. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've got a, a corporate version of this uh, that we're going to lead a, a team through to help build resilience as, as a team and build mm -hmm. a, a resilience, um, you know, sense of culture and, and identity. Uh, so there's several ways to be able to enter into this and to really get value out of it. Uh, the easiest way, of course, is signing up for just the $97 program. Or again, if you're like, I need this, uh, but I can't afford $97. Just send me an email, right? We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to get this to you. But typically we know, uh, even in the church world, 
that if someone pays even a small amount, the likelihood, right, you tend to value what you pay for. And so and I want people to do the work. There's no point in doing this and then not doing the work. Yeah, I, I think of the Old Testament, uh, especially, you know, I, I will not sacrifice something that didn't cost me anything. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so whether it's, a, you know, a, a place for a burial plot or, you know, getting coaching, getting therapy. A friend of mine, 30 years in the therapy world, and he said, I don't care if it's $5. Yep. Everybody pays a little something. Because the idea is, and it, 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 this really goes back to, uh, Andy, something you said earlier about our own value and our own worth. Mm. And the yeah. idea, I, one of my uh, regular sponsors here is a personal injury attorney who says part of the reason why she encourages people to use an attorney and to go for the maximum benefit is not to pat her pocket, but she said, look, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And you have an obligation to take care of it. That's right. And so when it, you're talking about resilience, this isn't just a, uh, you know, let's get some gumption, everybody, and, you know, st- yeah. tough times are here, and, you know, by golly, you know, let's get Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney, and we'll put <laughs> on the big show. It's not that at all. It really is a biblical stewardship issue yeah. yes. in terms of thriving is something we were created to do, but it's also something we have a responsibility to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so well said. There's a, a, a podcast that I created with Pastor Eric Hurd that's mm-hmm. just Mariners, focusing on yeah. uh, masculinity and what it means to be a, a, a man today. And the word uh, in the Bible that defines uh, a man in uh, the book of Genesis is zakar. So it means a man is he who remembers. But there's a second part to it, that a man remembers who God is and knows and remembers who he is. And when you know those two things, it allows you to enter into chaos and bring order to it. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are in chaos and they're multiplying. They're pouring gasoline on it mm-hmm. instead of recognizing, again, and a lot of it's through avoidance, through moral avoidance and just right, uh, not wanting to hurt people's feelings, a whole variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But when all of a sudden we're able to really take on that biblical understanding of what it means to be a man, right? And there's a lot of psychological research that supports this that I think is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how we can start to enter. In. I, I think of a uh, uh, like Tom Tom Brady or who, whoever your you know favorite quarterback might be. Mm-hmm. But when the packet cl- uh, pocket collapses and you've got you know three hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle running up four five forty at you, which right? Be right. Terrifying, <laughs> right. The the best quarterbacks that have the experience and they they trust in their skills, right? They're able to keep their head up mm-hmm. and they know, right? And the, the team feeds off of that energy. So all of a sudden, you you're able to stay in the pocket with poise and lead your team to victory. Like that's kind of a metaphor for what I want people to get out of this is to know that there's going to be inevitable, t- inevitable times where the pocket you know collapses on you, whatever that might be in your marriage and mm-hmm. your business. But if you're able to maintain that poise, because again, you know what tools you have, you've got the experience to recognize, hey, I've got this, and you're able to lead your family, your business to to success. And I think you said about you know for grandparents the modeling. Um, yes, yes. I had I'd done a, a, a. I'll try and bring this home, but. Uh, a lot of research on resilience. I was originally going to do my dissertation on shame, and mm. I realized the more that I focused on shame, the more my shame multiplied. <laughs> so I was like, let's, let's exit out of this. And I thought, what's the opposite of, of shame? And at that moment, I thought it was resilience. Now I think it's authenticity. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I spent a good six months really diving deep into the research and literature on resilience at that point. And one of the things that was fascinating was family, you know, individuals that came from broken families where there was severe drug use, uh, abuse, right? People that were incarcerated, mm-hmm. like there were people that rose above that and were able to be, to thrive, to be really successful. One of the things that you see in that is that they often had one person in their life that just believed in them, right? Mm-hmm. That spoke identity to them, that showed them a different pathway and helped them to see something in themselves that they may not, may not have seen otherwise. But it didn't necessarily always require that it was someone that had a, a recurring long-term role. Sometimes it was a person that they had one encounter with, mm. right? That just uh, spoke to them, helped challenge maybe a belief that they had. And so 
if we can help more people to develop an identity of resilience, and then they're going out into wherever the, you know in the world that, that they interact with people, and they're able to to speak out of that place, I do think there's a ripple effect of that that can be incredibly powerful. This is, I mean, and it, I, I don't want to say this in a pedantic or con- sound sounding condescending, but the culture has shifted so much to participation. You know, the trophies for yeah. just showing up oh, yeah. for for everybody, yep. you know, but with all the Academy Award nominations and they keep adding categories. So you could say you were nominated, but you haven't there's no sense of purpose and you haven't actually accomplished something. And yep. I still think back. My son, Jake, is uh, finishing a master's degree this year. and He's a school teacher. And he uh, when he was 17, he was the last of the youngest of three kids. He was the last one to get a job. The, his sisters found part-time jobs in restaurants right away in high school. Right. He kind of waited because he didn't want it to face rejection. He finally got a job running food at a Farrell's restaurant. Jeez. And the first night, I text, after he finished his shift, I sent him a text, and I said, how did it go? And he wrote back, I'll never forget what he said. He said, it's so nice to be useful. Whew. And I thought, okay, you're getting it. You're, yeah. you're getting it because we're wired for that. Yep. You know, and we want that. And and what you're talking about, Dr. Andy Garrett, this resilience means I know what my purpose is. I love what you said. You know, I know who God is and I know who I am. Yeah. And as long as I know who those two are, everything else is going to fall into line. Yeah. You know, yep. I and mean, that's that's what you're driving people to. AG-Thrive.com is the website. Which is the tab, again, that we clicked? Do you so remember? It should automatically pop up. So okay. If, okay. if it doesn't, and there will be, um, if you hit the scroll down bar into services, mm-hmm. um, you should see... It's not there today, but it will be added uh, within the next couple of days, uh, the option for the Resilience Challenge. Okay, So you Very can good. click on that there. Highly recommend it. And uh, again, as you heard Dr. Garrett say, if you uh, uh, have a specific need and you want to reach out, you know, send an email and he'll, he'll uh, work something for you because this is too important for the body of Christ in the times that we're living in now. As we see revival in the land, we see the darkness yeah. rising up, we see more and more challenges to our faith. Christians need to be equipped to... Take a punch. Yeah. I mean, the, the culture is going to come at us fast and furious, and we can either be David or we can run from Goliath. I mean, those are the two options, it seems like, right now. <laughs> and Dr. Andy Garrett has come up with a way for us to understand who our David is, uh, you know, inside, yeah. so that doesn't need the, the weapons of the world, that understands that God has prepared you for such a time as this, and you don't have to kill the giant, you just have to knock him out. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> everything else. Will, and all these things will be added unto you, I guess, as they say. Uh, Dr. Andy Garrett, great to get to know you. I'm enjoying the conversations we're having. We look Likewise. forward to the next one yeah. for sure. Roger. But thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Likewise. It's a lot of fun and really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Well, what a great conversation. What a fascinating topic and con- uh, concept. And we're so grateful to have the originator of the Resiliency Challenge, Dr. Andy Garrett. Uh, in studio today here on The Bottom Line to talk about it. 800-227-5278. We have seven of these codes that we're giving away here. They're online codes that you can use to sign up and start doing what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at the seven-day resiliency challenge, and it's going to be a game changer for you or someone you know who's been going through a tough time. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to The Bottom Line. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But 
The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to Dr. Andy Garrett for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about the seven-day resiliency challenge. And this is something I'm looking forward to going through, looking forward to going through along with uh, a lot of other uh, Bottom Line show listeners. 800-227-5278 is the number to call. We have seven copies. Well, they're, they're online links. It costs about 97 bucks to, uh, to book this online and walk through it. But uh, Dr. Garrett's made these codes available to Bottom Line Show listeners today just to help. He said, as a young psychologist, he didn't expect to get so many measurably successful people to need professional help all of a sudden. But now, now that he's done decades of research and clinical work in the area, he can understand why so many people's lives crumbled during this recession of 2008. Simply put, they got stuck and they couldn't get unstuck. Basically for them, uh, their identity was threatened because they lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, they lost their homes. And they felt so lost and hopeless that they just couldn't get unstuck. The fear that had set in with them was preventing them from being the men and women that God created them to be. Well, Dr. Andy Garrett is convinced that resilience is the antidote to fear and fragility, and that's why he created the seven-day resiliency challenge that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278 if you are feeling a little anxious in your retirement years. If you're heading toward retirement and you're not quite certain that things are going to work the way you want. If you're a young adult, or maybe there are young adults in your family that are wrestling with this, call 800-227-5278. We want to give you one of these seven-day resiliency challenges. The beauty of our life in Christ is that by losing ourselves in him, we find our new identity in him. There's nothing to fear because perfect love casts out fear. That's good news, and that's the bottom line.